Hello, my name is Richard Metcalf, founder of X Quadrant. I coach some of the world's top executives and management teams, helping them achieve bigger and more meaningful results than ever before. In this season, I'm speaking with C-suite leaders from around the globe to find out what the COVID-19 pandemic has taught them and what wisdom they have to share for other leaders. Welcome to Leadership Lessons for Challenging Times. Today, I speak with Bhavesh Vaghela, who is the CEO of Singular Decisions. Singular is a subscriber intelligence and subscriber management platform for pay TV uh, and uh, similar services. And uh, in this conversation, we get into some really interesting topics. Um, Bhavesh dares, he goes, he's vulnerable, he shares at quite a deep level. And we really look at his experience of the chaos of COVID lockdown, uh, the habits to build to support people through uncertainty, what he did, what worked and what didn't, why he replaced top leaders right in the chaos of lockdown, just to that moment when you think shaking the organization up like that would be the wrong thing, why it was the right thing. He talks about dealing with fear as a CEO, what to do about that, and his own struggles through that time. And finally, how to connect and inspire the team, even in the midst of remote working and all the challenges of this year. So sit back and enjoy this conversation with Bavesh Vaghela. Hi, Bavesh. Hey, how you doing, Richard? Great, thank you. Yeah, good to see you. Um, and uh, thanks for joining me today. No, thank you for inviting me. So as you know, we're talking today about leadership lessons for challenging times. Uh, it's been a challenging time for all of us uh, this year, the COVID year. Um, but before we dive in, let's just find out a little bit about you. Do you want to give people just in 60 seconds or so the elevator pitch, right? Who is Bavesh and what's, what is Singular Decisions? Sure, no problem at all. So uh, who am I? I'm a B2B marketeer. That's my passion. Um, uh, I've worked at various software businesses uh, over the last uh, close to 20 years, been acquired multiple times, pretty much marketed different software all around the world. Um, so I, you know, I've been a CMO uh, and um, uh, supported various software businesses, as I said earlier. Um, I've been CEO relatively uh, new because I'm uh, about two and a half years into my, my first CEO post. Um, and the company I work for, it, it's, you know, it's called Singular Decisions, as, as you mentioned. Um, what do we do? Well, we help subscription-based businesses, uh, what we say, find and execute their perfect growth strategy. So that's all about, you know, if you're a pay TV or an OTT service, you know, we all have, you know, probably Netflix, Amazon Prime and all those types of companies. Uh, what we're about is about helping those, uh, those brands uh, really understand their subscribers to try and drive growth. And, and we do that through technology. To, you know, through that through data and insights and we do that through people fantastic so yeah so subscription services lots of people doing things you need to understand who's doing what how's it working where are the opportunities in the business where's the insights yeah. who's churning who's ready for upselling mm -hmm. who's why are people coming on all those yeah. kind of things yeah absolutely got it perfect um so why don't we just dive straight in? I, I know you, you know, you're running a company, you say it's, a, it's been a trial by fire, right? A CEO a couple of years and you get COVID. Mm -hmm. um, 
I know you have about 150 people in the organization, right? So there's a lot of people, uh, you know, people whose uh, livelihood depends on you to some sense. And uh, you've got customers around the world. And then we get into this unparalleled moment in, in, in COVID. So uh, what, what, if you just look back, um, obviously we're not out of it yet. We're recording this uh, in the autumn. So we've had the lockdown period. We've had the summer, a bit of a breather. And now we're having this kind of second wave or concerns about that emerging. Uh, as you look back so far with the perspective that we have, what's been your top leadership lesson What's been your top learning point? You know, there's been so many that, you know, you kind of look back on. I mean, I, I think my, my biggest lesson really is about uh, being close to your people. I think that's probably the biggest thing. I mean, there's so many things that you can do with customers and make sure you maintain customers, you know, try and win your business. All that stuff is great uh, and it's very challenging. But the reality is, you know, you've got 150 people and they're all worried. They're all stressed. They're all having to go through lockdown, like like you are as well as an individual, like I am. And I think my biggest lesson really is, um, and I think it's one of the biggest achievements really, is the fact that we have, I would argue, have a stronger team now as an organization than we arguably did before we walked in. And that's mainly because, yeah. you know, we've maybe seen you know, it's the old British spirit. We kind of got, got together and realized as, a, as an organization and as people in that organization, we have to help each other. We have to help each other through this process. And at the same time, we have to make sure we maintain the level of service that we have for our customers. Because um, the interesting thing for us is subscription services don't stop during COVID. In fact, in right. some customers, they are booming, especially yeah. entertainment subscription services. And we also have sports subscription services. So in that situation, they're struggling because sports cancel. So, you know, we have had to... Um, and completely go from a, 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 an office-based environment with operational staff and contact center all the way through to, you know, R&D and software development teams and overnight work from home and the whole yeah. operation still has to perform. And you know? so how do you do that? How do you bring the team closer together than they ever were before, given all those constraints? Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. I mean, I used to do, um, I'm a great believer, I think, uh, I'd like to think, and I, and, I, and I hope I'm right in this, but I'd like to think that I'm a very transparent uh, person. So I try and be very honest um, with my teams as to what's going on in the business and where we're heading. And, you know, that is all about raising that bar continually. So for me, I used to run you know, kind of one-to-ones on a more uh, quarterly basis. Um, as soon as we started going into lockdown, I did one-to-ones every day. So I went through the whole staff pretty much um, over a period of, uh, you know, five to six weeks, and I cycled through continually. So mm. that was all about you know, just touching base with every single person in my organization, not about talking about the business. I didn't actually want to talk about the business at all. Mm. Check in, see how they work. Right? That's one of the first things I did. And, uh, and just, just, just to pick up on that, I mean, what you did there is one of the, one of the impact multipliers that I've talked about earlier on in this podcast um, about mastering transformation. And this is a tiny micro example, but I think it's just worth picking up on. It's like establishing the habit to say, let me just get a habit in that every day there's one person I speak to. And then once you build the habit into your diary, it's there at nine o'clock or whatever it is in the morning for for 20 minutes, then you've implemented it and it just becomes part of the way that you work, right? And the benefits accrue over time, like a flywheel, right? It kind of gradually Absolutely, absolutely. And and we also started to do things like, you know, I, I, I challenged 
the team to say, look, you know, I want you to pick up the phone or the Zoom in this context, I guess, to somebody that you've never spoken to in the business or you don't, they're not your best friends or your colleagues. I want you to have a coffee chat with them. Just random chat, check in on them, see how they are. But that person who's had the coffee chat has to then pay it forward and keep mm. on doing that. And that's, that, you know, look, don't get me wrong, it wasn't perfect from day one and you have one round and then stops and then you have to kind of stops. keep engineering right. it. But, yeah. you know, that certainly helps the whole kind of mental state of everybody. I mean, we're all in the same boat. Yeah. So that's my biggest lesson. I think my biggest lesson is that human element um, that sometimes when you're in a normal environment, you just expect people to work, right? And, uh, right. and, and that's quite harsh in some ways, but it's just because it's the way it is. Whereas actually now you're very more cognizant of people's lives and the balances that they take in order to work for you mm. for an organization. And I think that's a, it's a very, very valuable lesson. And I think as a company, as I said before, we've got closer as a result of that. And I think people are you know, certainly looking after each other more than perhaps they mm. would in the office. Yeah, I think every organization, every team has to really think about tasks, behaviors, and learning. Very often, we totally over-rotate onto tasks. Totally. I get it. I get it. Totally get it, right? Results to here, to know the rest of it. But And it can work when things are stable. But when the rules of the game change, you've got to watch out about learning, right? Are we actually learning? Are we adapting? And... Also, you have to attend to behaviors and relationships. And then do, are we actually, it's not just what are we doing, but how are we doing, what are we doing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because those things, as you say, they if you don't have that foundation and people feel supported and, and happy in, in the way it's working, then the tasks just don't get the same level of attention. If people yeah. are concerned, especially, or, or freaked out or depressed, it's certainly not going to happen. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that we, we, we did as well, which was a very conscious decision, um, when we do, we used to have a town hall. I mean, everybody does these town halls, perhaps you know once a month and so forth. We were doing that as well, in person town halls every month. But we turned them into weekly roundups. So every Friday, twelve o'clock, the company gets together, and I just talk through what's going on in the week. Mm. Uh, and now more and more, it's become part of the our operating week. Right. And you know, we're getting more and more people talking about the stuff they've done that week. And we're trying to really share the good stuff because there's so much negativity around us. Now, even the smallest thing, right, we managed to solve a particular problem. We should be um, sharing that and applauding yeah. that because yeah. that makes us all feel um, we've achieved something, right? And uh, Absolutely. That's, it's, 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 again, it's that kind of uh, uh, repeatedness and trying to mm. make it part of our DNA. It's certainly a big lesson for me. Yeah, I, I always say if I'm taking my kids up uh, some hill or some mountain somewhere, if they look at where they're meant to be going, they get depressed and they want to leave the car, yeah. right? If they're halfway up and they get to look down at how far they've come, they're pretty motivated to take the next, to do the next bit, the next hill, right? The, yeah. the next, the next stretch. And I think often in business we forget that, and we're always looking at, like, what haven't we done, right? What's the gap? What's the target? What's the vision beyond the next, you know, <laughs> the next hill? How much more can we do before we conquer the entire universe? And yeah. actually looking back and just celebrating this week, we've moved forward. Yes. It's actually important. Yeah, that's been a, a real big lesson, really. So let's move on. What's been perhaps the most counterintuitive decision that you've had to make or the most surprising result that you've uh, seen? Counterintuitive is quite interesting because, um, you know, I, to a certain degree, when you first go into lockdown, uh, you know, you um, there's this great article I read this week where you start worrying about, you know, whether you're doing the right thing and, there's, you know, you just start 
you know, should I have all the answers? And I relate to all that because it was a very um, uh, uh, challenging time just to try and navigate your own self and the way you're feeling, let alone trying yes. to g everybody else up and make sure everybody else is comfortable. And in that in that scenario, I sat down one day, um, and I guess that's some of the perhaps in the early days you got a chance to just step away a little bit. And um, I sat down and I looked at the team, the team that I had in my exec team at the time. And I sat down and looked at some, there's, there's certain areas which I wasn't particularly comfortable we were driving and the pace we wanted to and where we needed to get to as a business. And I asked myself the question, uh, you know, the people that I've got around my team, are they the right ones? And would they be able to help us as an organization get to where our target was at the end of the calendar right. year? The answer was no. When I sat down, the answer was no. And I'm thinking, okay, now, do I do I um, uh, make changes now? And we're in the middle of lockdown. This is you know, particularly a bad time to do this. And, you know, yeah. I mean, you, you, you know, that, that, that uh, decision gave me sleepless nights. I must be honest, it gave me sleepless nights. But I did. I made two significant executive team changes during lockdown, which meant the workload came to me and some of the others that were still remaining. And we completely hired new people in that process, which was another interesting lesson in this. Right, yeah. Um, but I think that's the counterintuitive thing. It's the, um, sometimes you're going to still make the hard decision, even in a point of crisis, because my instinct was saying, no, 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 you know, we keep the people in stable. Um, but actually, it would have come out of lockdown and we wouldn't have moved forward yeah. in the same way. So I still had to think further on as to what the, uh, you know, where we needed to get to. And I just felt it was the right decision to make. And it was very hard. And then you have to G everybody up and make sure everybody understands why you made those decisions. Um, so that was the real counterintuitive thing. It was almost the one thing I wouldn't have wanted to do, I did. And um, I feel it worked out for us. It could easily have you know, been a car crash. Yeah, that's, um, it's interesting, isn't it? I, it's, well, it's making the bold moves when they need to be made. Uh, and it's also having the, yeah, it's the instinct, right, to know is this person right or not. And I've seen it both ways, right? I've, I've actually seen people that were gonna pretty much going to be let go during COVID, and because they needed stability, they were kept, and because actually the hard conversation happened, though, at that moment, yeah, and it was made very clear that this is the gap that we're seeing and this is why we, we've got some concerns a couple of cases they brought me in to actually support them in that journey but um those people actually turn around right and actually realize oh here's the, here's the gap here's where we need to step up and um so what i often say to people when they're going through that decision making process is right sometimes there is a there's a values issue there's something very clear sometimes there's like one thing which is off off base and actually they've got to where they are for good reasons but there's one thing which is just undermining what's going on and that can be corrected so i've seen it really both ways and i think it's, it's i think it's interesting that at the end of the day the buck stops with you you have to make that decision and then you have to say take it on it might not be the easy decision yeah i mean, so, I mean the, the, the ironic thing with it is you know through through that through that lockdown period we had People that started on the first day, uh, we, we never met, never met them yeah. at all, you know, apart from by, virtually by Zoom. Yeah. Um, we've had, you know, we've hired people through lockdown, mm-hmm. and people have joined our team again, completely virtually. Never met anybody physically, 
um, you know, senior as well as you know different levels within right. business. And it's been, you know, it's been a, um, I said, you know, the counterintuitive bit. It's been, um, it's really been a, a view of how do we shape the business moving forward, coming out mm. of lockdown. Right. Um, and you know, I, I, to a certain degree, you're forced to think that way. But sometimes you can be focused so much on the day to day because it's a crisis that you can come out of the crisis and you haven't actually geared yourself up towards coming out the other side. And, um, you know, I'm not going to say I planned all that beforehand. That's not the case at all. But when I look back, I kind of feel we made some movements towards Mm. helping us come out of it uh, in a better way than we walked in. Yeah, I think sometimes there is a it's a time for laying foundations, actually, in a way, because there's a bit of space suddenly that's opened up, potentially. So how has this period um, forced you to grow as a leader, Bhavesh? What's what's been your own story of growth as a CEO in the last few months? I mean, you know, I've been through everything, you know, everybody has. I've been through panic. I've been through fear. I've been through 150 people that I've got to maintain and and keep, keep the salaries going. I've had you know, there's a moment of when you stop to think too much, you really start panicking, right? And that's just human nature. And, and I try very hard not to. So I've really tried very hard to focus on the outcome at the end of the year. That's what I've really tried to stay uh, um, uh, true to. And I think as, as a leader, you know, I, I feel that I've grown as a person because I've started to relate more to lots of people within my organization. Um, and that's helped me really think about the acuteness of the things that we need to change or drive or evolve in order to take those people on the journey that we're trying to get get to. So, so I think it's, um, it's, it's a lot about breaking comfort zones. It's also about being honest. I mean, I remember being on one of my roundups and telling people I had a rubbish week. Yeah. Uh, I really struggled this week. I struggled in terms of, you know, um, worried about what's going on around me and my family and this and that. And I was just, you know, some people would say, you don't do that kind of stuff. You've got to always remain upbeat and positive. But I felt, no, actually, that's me. That's what I'm going through. And actually, a lot of people that I'm on my teams are going through the same thing. And I got a lot of responses from that. And actually, I feel the same. Or, you know, that was really an appreciative comment. So I kind of opened up my myself a little bit during the last three, four months. Um, naturally, I think, more than... Um, consciously and when i look back at it i think that's helped me grow as as a person that they feel comfortable hopefully comfortable with that you know he's heading us in the right direction and that's been an interesting journey for me yeah thank you for sharing that it's um it's a powerful thing right when a leader can be vulnerable um obviously there's a time you want to be over vulnerable and overshare right but there is that moment when you you take off that take off the the armor you know and say this is it it's not always uh i've got issues as well right i'm going through that and i know for myself you know i love to you know i have my family story i've talked about my my sister's mentally handicapped i always felt the need to be strong i didn't realize it at the time looking back i go yeah i was the one who was like no problem for my parents you know i got my good grades i was i think it was probably because i realized they got enough on their plate and I carry that with me, right? I want to be the one who supports people, who helps, who's strong and competent. Um, but I know that when I lay that down and I'm honest with somebody, you know, and say, yeah, but also 
whatever, right? I'm freaked out today, whatever is going on. Then you actually connect at a deeper level. Yeah, and I think, you know, this, you know look, this is unprecedented times. I mean, it's, it's the, the classic uh, quote that everybody was saying, you know, it's, I can't stand there and say everything's hunky-dory in my life when everybody else is in lockdown, right? We're all in lockdown, so we all know it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's not a great place to be in that situation. So there's no point lying about it. It is true. And hopefully yeah. that we can connect at a different level in that way. So I, I would, I definitely feel it's, it's, you know, when I first got the CEO job, um, Richard, you, you kind of almost feel you have to be somebody you're not. Mm. You almost have to say the right buzzwords and you have to feel like, look, I'm this strong person and I look, I'm, I deserve to be the CEO. But actually, you know, you learn to be who you are, right? And that's a, yeah. that's a journey that I've been on over the last two and a half years as being CEO. I remember the first six months, I just felt like a rabbit in headlights. I was an imposter being in this, in this role, yeah. right in the right place. So, I, you know, I've learned a lot about myself in this last two and a half years, but in particular the last six months, I think it's really helped me actually grab onto the thing that I'm trying to do yeah. and help me um, around myself in a better place than when I, when I first came in. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. It's when we attach ourselves to the mission, then we get out of our own way in a way, right? We we're focused on what we have to, you know, what, what people are counting on us for and not all our own internal hangups. Good. So looking forward what's the challenge going to be in the coming year obviously lots of things coming on in the business but how how you need to perhaps take your leadership up a step Where, where's the edge for you in the coming year my, my edge my edge for me is really about continuing to guide and and communicate and drive the business in the right direction now you know if we take all the macro stuff out of the way we still have to um continue to do the things at the highest standard we can on a consistent yeah. basis and that's very hard because we're all human beings i mean we've seen the dip you know when we first come into lockdown everybody rallies around and you know you've got the uh, in, in, a, in a perverse way an excitement of getting through this we're going to get through this and mm-hmm. after a while it's okay we're still doing this and you know now i've got to try and school my kids and all these things are going mm-hmm. on and everybody's struggling so you end up with a dip so i think the biggest challenge is going to be keeping that momentum that we've built consistent and it will come to a plateau, which is the right working pace. Because right now, I think as a business, we probably are too much on one direction, which is, you know, we're on Zoom calls all the time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people don't have the time to actually do their jobs because right. they're spending more time on Zoom calls. Yeah, We've got to start breaking our working day practices different to mm-hmm where we were before so i think that's going to be a challenge how do we uh, work around mm. what a normal day looks like now such that we are productive and continue to remain productive while picking each other up because we yeah. all going to have moments where we're down and, and up but we've all got to collectively help ourselves through mm. if we do those things well then we give ourselves the chance of delivering what we need for our clients opening mm. new business and growing our business so but there's lots of challenges at that end lots of stuff we've got to do but in terms of um, just maintaining the momentum and the, the energy levels is probably the hardest thing because we're all virtual. Yes. Yeah, and there's been a dip, right? There's been the, the all actions, all hands to the pump, you know, happened and now there's a bit of a dip and people realise this is going to drag out and they're not going to see everybody for necessarily as quick as they wanted. Yeah. And um, I think you're right about the Zoom call thing and 
um, I've seen that, you know, in corporate world, there's been an issue for a while in many ways. Uh, I think there's a real need to, for companies to kind of establish, to agree a rhythm. That's right. A referee rhythm, right? So like, it might be like, hey, guys, let's just like nine to 11 in the morning. That's our focus time. Let's, let's like, we just don't do calls at that time or whatever it is. Um, actually, everyone, let's all do our team calls on Mondays at 11 because then everyone has their team call at the same time and we're not, and we, then we're, we don't have all the scheduling issues because everybody's doing calls at different times. You can never get in touch with the right person. Yeah, you know, whatever it is. But I think finding that rhythm so that people kind of, are in the right zone at the right time that they know when they focus, they're not going to have to distract them. You know, they're not going to have to stop a whole lot of Slack messages coming in for people who are trying to get on the phone with them or whatever. They know this time is kind of understood in the company. And I think if we can make that, those kind of things, which in a physical situation can still happen, but you can give more cues, more signs. You can shut yourself in the office. You can put your headphones in. You can, you can show people that you're not available. Um, I think those, those things can make a difference. No, I think you're absolutely right. I think it's getting to that rhythm that <clears throat> the norm now. This is the way we're going to work. Yeah. The foreseeable future is not going to change. I mean, it's uh, <coughs> recently we've seen some of our staff go back into the office, but they, they've selected to be on a Friday to have a team call, a team meeting together. Mm-hmm. And that's, it's almost flipped, right? It's flipped from being working from home, maybe the odd day to now working from home five days, four days and yeah. going in for one day. Right. And, yeah. Those kind of things, and that's how I see it. Uh, I've always okay. been, uh, and I've always, as I said, working for software companies all my life. It's always been flexible in yeah. that way, and so I'm a, I'm a believer and a fan of that. However, if everybody's doing it, then you end up with Zoom. I mean, Zoom fatigue mm. is not a word, right? And people talk about Zoom fatigue. Yeah, you know, and I know what I'm like. I start, I seem to have started earlier and earlier, and I've ended later and later. Right. And I've got to start breaking that cycle, otherwise it just becomes the normal way of doing it and that's yeah. not good for anybody because we'll burn out much quicker yeah i think it's really being clear about the boundaries and you know that you want to put onto that that's sustainable yeah. and um yeah as you said as well as people as when everybody's virtual with a bit of office time the question then becomes who comes in when when i was at cisco everybody you know who they'd really made this transition you know 12 years ago yeah. The problem was that it had gone so far so quickly that you went into the office, you could never find any of your colleagues because they all, you know, you came in on a Wednesday, they came in on a Thursday and you missed each other. Of course. And yeah. that actually is a real, that actually negatively reinforces, oh, I, never, I won't even go in at all because nobody's ever there. Yeah. Whereas actually, if you ask people that actually quite love to go in a couple of times a week and see people. But if you don't coordinate that, if there's not, again, a kind of a cultural expectation, or this business unit is always in on a Tuesday, you know, this division tends always to be in on a Wednesday, then without that, it can actually be hard to get back into the practice of meeting up. Oh, completely. And I think, you know, that's that's the challenge, right? That's, you know, uh, if, if we're successful at the end of the year, it's because we've, we've, been, we've been able to come up with a rhythm for our business now and our staff and our that maintains our standards and continues to improve our standards because you know we've got a long way to go in some areas and we've always got to continue to improve. But yep. you know, just because there's these things going on around us doesn't mean we shouldn't be driving for better standards in what we do. So, um, but it's also difficult to drive that standards when people are burning themselves out yeah. on Zoom calls all day. Um, and that's a big challenge for us. That's something where haven't solved it in any shape or form. That is currently where we are right now. It is just. Um, uh, um, 
Zoom meltdown. That's probably what it is. So plenty more we could talk about there, but I'm aware of time's moving on. Let me just ask you a few uh, quick fire questions just to get a sense of um yeah what's your world right what's what's the, what are your influences if you if you're a rock band right what would your influences be um what's who's the leader that inspires you the leader that inspires me i mean i uh, i could be cliche and talk about steve jobs i can talk about others but i mean i i would say you know the person that inspires me the most and again this is very cliche-ish is actually my parents, my dad. He's, um, you know, very calm, um, you know, very um, thoughtful in terms of what he wants to do and how he wants to do it. And I've learned a lot from from that. I mean, I, look, I mean, I've read mm. books from Steve Jobs and others, and you pick up bits and bobs from those individuals and you think, wow, that's amazing. He did a fantastic job. But I don't hold anybody in the pedestal that says, you know, you, are, you guys do amazing well, because everybody does a great job in the circumstances they're in, they're, they're in at that point in time, you're there to learn from everybody. So I, I wouldn't want to say I, I'm inspired by a particular individual. I mean, I, um, I'm a big sports fan. So, you know, if you want to ask me who I want to have dinner with, I'd probably say Thierry Henry and Dennis, and Dennis Bergkamp because I'm an Arsenal fan, right? <laughs> okay. I'd love to sit down with Arsene Wenger and understand how he thought about the team and how he built his team. And those sort of things fascinate me, but um, mm. not a specific business leader as such. No, but I think it's great. I mean, actually... Talk about your father. It's, it's kind of a cliche, but not everybody would say that about their father. But it's also for me goes back to that thing that leadership is really influence is that proximity, and it's about caring for people, and it's about challenging them as well, right? And when you have people that do that for you, it makes a mark. What about um, a favorite quote or motto? Well, favorite quote or motto. Um, the, there's there's two things that I've I've, I've learned along the way. I've had some fantastic mentors that have helped me along the way. And in my marketing hat on, um, there's two things that I, I I kind of lived by when I was doing campaigns and thinking about strategies and marketing. Um, one was, um, you know, you really should not be, um, you know, I, I, I guess marketing to the center of the table. Always going to market to the edge of the table. I don't know if that quote even exists, but the notion that always push the boundaries and continue to push the boundaries because if you're sitting in the middle of the table everybody else is in the same place so you can't differentiate so i've always been somebody that has tried to think how can we push the envelope and i've always tried that the other thing you know certainly very resonates with me as a b2b marketeer is you're not actually selling or you're not marketing to a business at all it's not business to business at all it's mm. business to an individual yeah so you know I, i've always felt that i was taught at early early on in my career to think about the functional and the emotional, the transactional and the emotional con connection from a marketing message point of view, because actually a buyer is still a human being sitting in a company Absolutely. that has to have that emotional trigger to purchase. Um, yeah. So I've, I've learned those are two things that you know, certainly have always stuck with me. Mm. Um, you know, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of trying and failing, keep on going, keep on going, keep on trying. But those two really have always stuck with me from a very yeah. early my career. Yeah, that's that's great. I, the um, they're both pretty memorable, actually. And and the the idea of um, connecting with to the individuals in the business. I mean, I, it's so funny if you look at how so many business presentations decks yeah, they totally miss that, right? It's totally just full of like, here's a whole load of functions that you might like to have in this product for your business, and there's no real connection with this is actually a person that's meant to be listening to this. Um, 
it's, it's, you know, it's, it's hard, right? I mean, it's, you know, when you look at B2B, especially tech marketing, right? B2B tech marketing is, mm. it's full of functions and features. Yeah. That's what it is, right? And uh, it's very hard to step away from that and think <clears throat> very emotionally. I mean, I, um, in my very, my very early days um, uh, working for a company, I, I, my first campaign I ran was around compliance. And it was on Sarbanes-Oxley times. And, you know, look, I, no disrespect to any compliance officers, but they're kind of like accountants, right? They're not the most, uh, reception is not as if they're the mm. most exciting people. But I figured that they are human beings. And it is, everybody was talking about doom and gloom about you're going to go to jail if you don't do this correctly and blah, 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 blah. And I thought, well, let's, let's spin it. Um, and uh, we created this campaign called I Love Compliance. And it was, uh, you know, I Heart Compliance, like a bumper sticker, yeah. 70s themed. Um, I managed to convince my uh, my boss at the time, who was on the board, he was a founder, and I convinced him. I was very lucky, actually, because he he was okay to try things. Um, and imagine a lot of people would have just shut me down and said, what are you talking about? That's not going to work. And it was really funny because the campaign went out. I was very nervous. And I got a phone call from my boss, who was just come out of the tube when we were in, 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 in London. And he was so excited. And he goes, I said, what happened? He goes, well... I was sitting in the tube and somebody was working on their laptop and on the opposite side of the laptop, somebody had stuck the I love compliance sticker <laughs> branded with the company name and so forth. So all of a sudden it got a, a little bit of emotion connection. Mm. We used to have these compliance officers in banks call us up and say, can we have more stickers? <laughs> um, it was just really you know, fascinating. But, I, you know, as I said, I was incredibly lucky because I worked for bosses that were willing to try things easily somebody could have shut me down at that point and I would have uh, never wanted to try something new again. Yeah. Uh, that was uh, uh, That's what I mean by having a yeah. bit of fun with stuff, right? That's, that's I love it. Well, first that can be your third motto. I love compliance. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll always love compliance. <laughs> well, um, hey, it's been great speaking, Bavesh. Um, where can people find out a bit more about you or about Singular? How would they get in touch? So, you know, if you want to go to singlerdecisions.com, you can do. I'm available on LinkedIn, so you can just find me with Nibiresh for Gabe. And, uh, you know, all my contact details are there. So happy to have conversations. I'd love to learn more. Uh, you know, and if anybody has any views on subscription businesses, we can help. Uh, if everybody just wants to have a chat over a coffee, over Zoom during these times, again, totally open and happy to have those, uh, have those chats. That's very generous. Thanks, Bhavesh. Um, great to speak. And uh, thank you for uh, all your insights. Thank you, Richard. I really appreciate it. Enjoyed it. Bye now. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Now let's turn to you. If you're a top performer who's already accomplished great things and yet knows that there's a whole new level of impact and potential open to you, then why don't we get on the phone and strategize on how to get you there? Head over to xquadrant.com forward slash speak to find out more. Until next time, be bold and be purposeful.